Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deconstructing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am here, but with me here as always is Brett. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Eitzen. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> I was hoping you'd get a kick out of that. <laughs> I love it. Good. Ah. We are here to talk about the second installment of James Gunn's The Guardians of the Galaxy. This is volume two. And Brett has a drink for us today. Yes, it is called, I'm going to pull it up so I get it 100% right. It is called the Star-Lord Cocktail. Ooh, it looks great. It, you, can, you can see the full ingredients on, uh, on our social media on post. Twitter, yeah. But it's like primarily a, like a Grey Goose vodka base, and then it has some <sighs> yummy flavors in there. We're getting fancy today. So it's got some, uh, some red. It, it's actually, ironically, look, look, look. <laughs> This has nothing to do with the fact that we're recording this two days after the 4th of July. But it is very, like, <laughs> red, red, white, white and blue. blue. It is, isn't it? I, I will say... Not that... intentional, just happens to be that way. <laughs> we also... This is... Congratulations to you. I think this is the most picture-accurate drink we've made so far. Yeah, it, it turned out very well. Ideally, you're supposed to have, like, shaved ice. Like, oh, what okay. you were, like, snow cone-esque. Yeah. But guess who's not filthy rich and <laughs> has a shaved ice machine around this guy so it's just crushed ice but you know what it looks pretty good should we, should we take a drink we should take a drink. cheers cheers i feel like it needs to be mixed up a little more i was gonna say that's a lot of club soda should we should we like we, yeah, mix and yeah. try again yep we'll, we'll here AS, asmr some ice mixing here for you guys To be fair, I topped it off with club soda, so that could be the problem. There we go. Well, here we go again. That's better. I like what's there. Yeah. It does feel like it needs, like the one thing I didn't I didn't find were like the is like a large jawbreaker, white jawbreaker oh. that was supposed to go in there. That would give it a definitely a different little extra kick. Sure. I don't know how that would change it, but it would do something. It kind of tastes like a melt. You know those icy pops? That's like the plastic yeah. sleeve. It kind of tastes like the melted ones. Like, have you ever like yes. just had one that's not frozen? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. But no, I, I don't mind that. It's nice. It's refreshing on this hot summer day. That's right. Um, cool, man. Well, you got the state of the world for us because it's 2017 and not 2016 because... Someone in here thought it was still 2016. We don't need to. We don't need to throw shade at, at anyone named Trevor for not understanding how years work. Time, it's linear for now. As <laughs> not 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 once we get like five movies down the road, then oh, right. we're gonna have to worry yeah. about the non-linearness of time. But for now. <laughs> Yes, uh, the, the movie we're talking about today, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, released May 5, 2017. So, State of the World in 2017, what a year. What a year. Uh, um, and not necessarily in a great way. Uh, for some people, it, look, there's, <laughs> depending where you fall on some things, you're going to be like, yay, or you're going to be like, boo. And I'm just right. going to read the read them as facts. Fabulous. With no opinions attached. So, uh, 2016, <laughs> Donald Trump is uh, inaugurated as the uh, president of the United States. Mm -hmm. We also have tensions between North Korea growing as they get, you know, bold enough to fire test missiles over the Sea of Japan. Ooh. I just remember that being like, I mean, honestly, state of the world today, I'm like kind of feeling the same about like China. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh! about that anyways what a time to be alive what a time what a time 2017 the there was a like record-setting famine in africa oh okay a huge humanitarian crisis i vaguely remember that yeah it was a big deal yeah a um, big deal lots of we bring them up every so often isil isis mm. um yeah. islamic terrorist attacks the ones that stood out to me there was actually two in england the one there was one at the ariana grande concert oh right yeah and also on the uh, on the London Bridge. Okay. So those two were kind of significant in the middle of the year. A rise in wildfires. California, right? All over. All over? But Great. Yeah, California. <laughs> yeah, it continues. <laughs> on a happier, more fun note, the uh, the Eurovision Song Contest took place. Do you remember? There was the, like the same, I don't remember if it was that year or like the following year. Mm-hmm. 
but there was that Eurovision movie that came yeah, out as well. It's kind of like alongside <laughs> it. I just remember that being like such a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, thank goodness there's some fun things. Montenegro became the 29th member of NATO. Oh, okay. So look, new NATO does get new members. There we go. It is, it is it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> the British government, we talked about the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. had a new leader, um... The UK also, this was like rise of like Brexit yeah. and kind of that, you know, more conservative movement over there across the pond. Hello, friends across the pond. <laughs> I hope you listen to us. <laughs> oh, it was a record setting hurricane season. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, listening to you describe these events to me, I feel like you're talking about the apocalypse. It's <laughs> like, I, like, it's all just like very... There's a famine in Africa, and there was no food, and uh, there's wildfires all over the place, yeah, and uh, record-setting is, hurricane season. This was the year that Hurricane Harvey hit mm. Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also got the great solar American solar eclipse. Right. I remember that, um, again, no comment on the person themselves, but if you remember the, the photo of Donald Trump staring directly at the sun <laughs> without the special glasses, glasses yep, yep. That's, that's what this was. Do you remember where you were? at when that happened like i assume you you found a place to watch yeah i we just we just went out uh, i don't remember what day was it must have been a weekend because i was home mm-hmm. i remember we had claire was only our, my daughter was only two at the time so she, you know but i remember getting the, like the little plastic yeah. paper glasses and like standing out in the front yard with all of the other neighbors and being like "Ooh, this is cool <laughs> I, yeah i remember it getting significantly darker i think i just used sunglasses or something yeah i was in some random parking lot we we were out running errands that day or something and we were like oh it's almost time let's just stop right here yeah (laughs) that's right that's right we just gotta find a place yeah (laughs) we're gonna watch it it's gonna be great yeah yeah (laughs) let's see coming to the end of the year Mm -hmm. oh this is the year there were uh I guess technically it's the next year, so we'll leave that. We'll, okay. leave, we'll leave that point for next year, but I'll say it has something to do with Russia. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe maybe something relevant to this podcast. Oh. The very end of the year, Walt Disney announced that it would acquire a 21st Century Fox. I have something that goes along with that, too. Yeah. I Actually, it's just a fun fact, so I'll just tell you that right sure. now. Sure. Do you know how currently Kang the Conqueror is the current like big baddie? Of... Kind of slated a phase. Mm-hmm. What are we in five? We're five. yeah, we're in five right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kang the Conqueror previously was held by Twentieth Century Fox. Oh. So, and, I mean, I they never used him. I mean, mm-hmm. they only used like X Men and whatever else. But yeah, so had they not done that back in two thousand and seventeen, then we might not have had Kang would, the Conqueror. It just as... it just cost them sixty six billion dollars. I <laughs> <Right>. mean. <laughs> Small investment for that's, Kang the Conqueror. That's right. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the, whether uh, it was worth it or not, with what's happening in the news right now, I mean, like you know, who yeah. are we to judge? Right? Yeah. yeah. There. So there was unfortunately a lot of bad things that happened in 2017. Plenty of good things uh, that didn't necessarily make the list. But yeah. Well, cool, man. That's kind of the state of 2017. Well, there you go. Since one of us. Uh, not named Brett, doesn't know how dates work. Uh, I thought it was my turn to do production notes, so I went ahead and did that. So I got some stuff for you, and these are all actually pretty fun. So, number one, you know, James Gunn is kind of, the Guardians of the Galaxy is like his baby, yeah. right? And yeah. we've, we've talked about how close-knit that group is. Gunn, in a statement before Volume 2 came out, said this in regards to his relationship with Marvel Studios. They let me go and do my thing, and I truly listen to their notes and ideas. I've never been told to put in any character or plot element at all. When they trust you, they give you a wide berth, and we just fit. And I think that definitely shows, especially in this one. Yeah. So it was kind of a nice little quote. This is kind of a funny thing. In a Facebook post, Gunn wanted to have the alien race called Sneeper be a background alien race that would just kind of be throughout the movie. You know, they, they visit some different planets and stuff. This was denied by the studio when they said it sounded too close to the Icelandic word Stenipire. Oh. Because that is the Icelandic word for genitalia. Oh! <laughs> so he was denied that. Probably for good reason. Sometimes there's a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. those are the studio notes that you're just like, okay, whatever. Like, yeah. language is weird, and uh, it's fine. Yeah, right, right. We move on. 
I have some extra characters for you that were yes. going to be in this. Yes. Matthew McConaughey was in talks to play the villain, Ego. Fascinating. At least I think it was Ego. It didn't say specifically. It just said that McConaughey was in talks to play the villain. Yeah. And he turned it down for The Dark Tower. Hmm. So, <laughs> I never saw it, but do with that what you will. John C. Riley was set to reprise his role and was ultimately ex-nade from the script, so... He was like kind of idea tossed around and ultimately did not make it in. David Bowie, before his death, was meant to be a part of... It said Yondu's original crew, which I assume is Sylvester Stallone's yeah, crew. Think, yeah. Yeah, so David Bowie was originally meant to be part of that, and I bet he would have loved that. Oh my goodness, yeah, for sure. Unfortunately, death comes for us all. True. I don't know why I had said it that way. But... <laughs> this is going to be a real dark episode today, folks. <laughs> So this is kind of cool. I, I think I've said that for all of these. Sorry if I sound like a broken record. Prop master Russell Bobbitt had difficulty finding the tape decks for the film, of which you probably remember. There are several close-ups of mm-hmm. his Sony Walkman. And all the Sony headsets from the first movie were broken. The only ones that he could find were going on eBay for $1,800. So he ended up making six of them from scratch. What? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of that course. Wild. But that's cool, man. That's like, I, I always, I don't always forget about the props, but like, props to costuming and props, man. Like, yeah. they, they put no, in work. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, speaking of tech side, cinematographer Henry Braham, not uh, Ben Jarvis, because he was working on Doctor Strange yep. at that time. Yep. Henry Braham used a phantom camera to film the scene where Yondu and Rocket are making their escape. And they're walking off the Ravager ship. Yep. Use the Phantom camera, which films up to 2,000 frames per second. And the footage is able to be moved from slow motion to high speed within a single shot. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Definitely. This is also, this is, okay, I have thoughts about this one. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious to see what you say. This was the first Marvel film to score a perfect 100 in test screenings. Good, right? Sure. Good to know. Yeah. But then the Hollywood Reporter printed an article shortly after that and noted the score shouldn't necessarily be compared to any non-Marvel movies because Marvel had a specific testing process that selected audience from more of a select pool of recruits, which they turned a friends and family screening. Mm. So good for I mean, good for this movie to score that high, but Definitely a little bit of bias. I kind of vaguely remember this Hollywood Reporter piece coming out and being concerned. Like, is this really how they're doing that? Like, it's great to have faith in your director and be like, yeah, we're like, we're not, our test screenings aren't like for critical feedback. We're, we're confident enough in it that, you know, we're just going to do friends and family or what, you know, whatever ended up being the case. Yeah. The justification for that. I still think it's dangerous then to be like perfect hundred like percent. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. It's because Joe Schmo, who's James Gunn's nephew, isn't right. going to be like your movie's shit. Uncle <laughs> James. Why don't you get good like Jim? <laughs> Jim Cameron. He's my favorite filmmaker. <laughs> Sorry. Weird tangent there. Hey. Just, listen, man. I just got done editing and uploading Civil War. <laughs> so you don't need to talk to me about... like You don't need to apologize for me to me about going off on weird tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so I got this last one for you. And this, I think, will kind of lead into the movie, too. The entire opening sequence, which appears to be shot in a single shot, uh, yep. actually consists of 11 shots. There are only three moments that utilize actual photography. <laughs> and I want you to try to guess what they are. Ooh. Uh, wh- can you tell me when it ends? Okay, so it's it's when Baby Group plugs in the amp yep. to where the scene changes and they're in the fight. So it's all like Baby Group dancing around. That whole little well, area. it's got to be the moments. There's uh, the moment when Dave uh, Drax, Dave Batista, uh-huh. like that's rolls one of them. up and then like looks at Groot. Yep, and he does the freeze. Thing. That's um, one. Uh, Gamora. Yep, you got the second one. Is, you know, is like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Yep, good, um, good. I apologize for my weird Gamora voice there. 
Much too high. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so Zoe Saldana. <laughs> I think, I mean, the last one has to be something with Chris Pratt. Yep. Um, but I'm not, I can't you in got, my head he, pick the moment. Exactly. He, just, he, he says something to yeah, Groot, right? He falls next to him yeah. and says something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Quill falling near Groot, Drax falling near Groot, and then Gamora talking to Groot are the only three scenes in that whole shot. They're, it's almost completely out of focus because it's on baby Groot the rest mm-hmm. of the time, so that's so, super easy to do CGI. Yes, and although, man, we'll, we'll talk about when we get into it, but before we do that, let's talk about characters. We did get some new characters. We did. In this movie. So basically everybody from the first movie is in this again. All the Guardians, yep. Yondu's back. New characters include Palm Clementif as Mantis. Great addition. I agree. Sylvester Stallone as Stakar Ogord. Kurt Russell as Ego. Elizabeth Debicki as Aisha. Chris Sullivan as Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? It's such a dumb joke, but it works for me. I don't know. I don't know. Can Please continue. We'll talk about Taserface well, later, I'm, I'm sure. actually checking. Okay, it is. So Laura Haddock plays Quill's mother, mm-hmm. and it is the same actress from the first movie. Yeah. So, did I miss anybody? I don't have any others written down, so if you did, I missed them as well. Okay, great. Aisha is the uh, the sovereign queen. Yeah. She's the, just for people that might not, right? I don't think they say her name very She's the one who gets often. pissed off. That, well, okay, so I guess they're more cameo characters, but you do have the other Ravengers mm, mm. that are hanging around, like, Sylvester Stallone and yeah, because um, they're named like uh, 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 Zylac. Yeah, and... they're not anyone that is are is really important to the film, and most of them I don't don't have know lines. If any of them come back, but yeah, they definitely don't have lines. Yeah, except for like Stallone has some. Uh, they some of them have a line at the end when they do the like mm, the send right. off to yeah, yeah. Yondu. Spoilers! Spoilers. Someone dies. <laughs> But yeah, um, yeah. yeah no, so, you got the main ones. Sweet. Cool, man. So yeah, speaking of the opening sequence, if you don't mind kind of jumping into it here, I think the opening is definitely an attempt to replicate the feel of the first one. It's got a song playing, somebody's dancing around. Although, man, uh, it's I, and I think they're fairly successful in getting that same feeling. I think that editing is real choppy for a lot of it. Yeah, I... For me, I think there was an opportunity, and and this is where I'm a bit more cynical in, like, I can absolutely see James Gunn being like, hey, this is how we want the movie to op- open. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I can see someone in their early production meetings or pre-production meetings going like, we need to sell the <laughs> out of Baby Groot toys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Uh-huh. And... It would be really great if we could get like a focus on Baby Groot for the opening because we're just throwing credits up, we're just throwing names up there. Like it's a fun song, like and and I because I think they had the opportunity to do something more unique, better. But instead, it was this like eye catchy thing that they could throw up on social media right right away. Yeah, and and be like, here's the little cute character. Well, and to give credence to that, something I didn't mention in the production was the guy that they use as reference for the dancing. Mm-hmm. When he did it for the first movie for the little dancing bit he does at the end, he just filmed it on an iPhone yeah. and then sent it in for reference. They had him like mic'd on a soundstage yeah. and had him dance for like four or five hours oh and, and did like, or, and maybe I'm exaggerating. <laughs> it might not have been that long, but it was definitely a, more of a production to like get that effect. Yeah. So no, I, I 100% think you're right in that it's it's definitely kind of a marketing campaign yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's a way to kind of introduce where they're at i think once they you know once they're done with the music bit Mm -hmm. i'm okay with drax being stupid enough to jump into the monster's mouth that's funny to me yeah that's when the movie actually starts actually starts but yeah the opening credits don't do anything for me (laughs) in this and in fact maybe 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 hurt it a little bit. No, but speaking of, of, like you said, once the fight actually gets started, even clear up to where they leave the Sovereign planet, which is, isn't the planet called the Sovereign, but also think, the people are called so, the Sovereign? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, all the dialogue and character personalities are like spot on from yeah. the first movie. It, like nobody skipped a beat. It's all there, you know, Rocket's being a jerk, Quill's being 
flirty with the sovereign person yep. and drax is being drax and yeah. yeah oh it's great i love yeah rockets the, the kind of setup of like the winking yes and um <laughs> before that sorry just to walk back to the fight a little bit yeah yeah but, like sure. chris pratt's guns versus swords the guns thing. versus swords thing yeah. with gamora it, yes. that's it just shows his insecurity and it's great the payoff we get from that i love the way she just whips out that sword mm-hmm. at the end Anyway, I'm sorry to, to butt in there, but no, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, no. That's exactly my point. Is that it? They they pick up really, really well from the first movie. Yeah, yeah. Some of these films we've talked about, like oh, number you know number two or number three, you know, they're taking place, and not that this one takes place immediately after. Like, right. there's clearly been some time for them to kind of like okay, we we're we're working as a team now, but it that transition is natural right and that hasn't always happened especially when you have more solo characters who they get some like one or two secondary characters who kind of follow them i'm thinking specifically like tony stark and happy mm-hmm. or or even pepper yeah right like they kind of follow them movie to movie but depending on what the story ends up being it there can be a little bit of a disconnect between yeah. what well what's the relationship with pepper again like because that that fluctuates and and here it just we take care of some of those things in the movie mm-hmm. and not before the movie yeah which is nice yeah yeah man i like i like the way you laid that out do you have anything else from the beginning with that opening um i don't i don't think so uh the whole like nebula trade is i think it's a a good way to get her back in back in yeah without it feeling i mean maybe some people will feel that's ham-fisted but like i don't know it works for me and mm-hmm. and karen gillian's the unsung hero of the absolutely mcu in my humble opinion no man I, yeah she I, I don't know about carries but she definitely at least as far as the guardians are concerned she's as much of a member of that movie franchise as anybody else is. absolutely absolutely she does um a lot of work with gamora in this mm-hmm. one like here pretty here pretty <laughs> soon as soon as we get into the second act we start like really pairing off yeah. characters and and the reason she's there is because she needs to be there for gamora for gamora yeah um they need to have arc. some res- rev- they need to have some resolution yeah yeah so and i and i think it works so i agree yeah but then we do get a, a pretty epic chase scene chase, yeah some fun moments or some fun dialogue between rocket and quill in terms of the the, the quantum asteroid field yeah. which was kind of cool <laughs> It's a great set piece. It is. Um, yeah. It's it's you know you you kind of have a maybe a little bit of a, like a disposable CGI army behind them, right? right? Like it's there's not really any danger to any of the sovereign. They're all back in their little video Which game chairs. Which is such chairs. a great. But it's a good. It's it it works well for them as their culture. Yeah, is like has evolved beyond this. Like we're so integrated with technology and our and our lives are valuable. So why would we ever? send actual yeah <laughs> ourselves out no 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 we're gonna send the drones <laughs> right yes and they all have the little video game screen yeah. on the thing too yeah, yeah and it's fun it, it reminds you of like uh, you know being at the arcade and yeah at the end there's only the, the one, one guy left, left. everyone's yeah. like crowded around them yeah man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's great that whole yeah man it's it's very good so then we get to i mean we're introduced to ego Pretty quick. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of get a, a glimpse to see what Yondu's doing on the pleasure planet, whatever that point, Contraxian or something like that. I really like, so there's a moment where we're introduced to Sylvester Stallone's character and he's talking to Yondu mm-hmm. and he's chastising him for, for, for basically human trafficking. Yep. He, he's saying we don't, we don't carry people and he's not necessarily, we find out later, he's not necessarily talking about only Peter Quill. He's talking about most, if not all of the children that yeah. ego has, has fathered. Yep. And I really dig that the cut from that conversation to ego and Peter talking about the same thing. Yeah. And it kind of makes it almost menacing, mm-hmm. I think, with how serious Yondu and, and Sylvester, and still, I wish I could remember his name, Olark or something like that, or uh, the seriousness of their conversation to kind of like the curiosity of Ego and Quill. Yep. But yeah, man, I, I really dig that. 
I agree. And I think that's a really important scene because, and I, uh, and I think that scene between Yondu and, and Sylvester Stallone's character, I need to also look up his name proper because (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep calling him Sylvester Stallone. It's, that's really the heart of this movie is this Stakar. Stakar. Yeah. Yeah. So the heart of the movie is this relationship that Peter has with Yondu. Mm-hmm. And on one side, we're getting information from Stakar about <laughs> like the how Yondu's choices have alienated him. And even though eventually he, en- he ended up doing the, the right thing and mm-hmm. not delivering Peter, kind of the other side of the rope... You know, so you have, like, Stakar over here on the left, you have Yondu and Quill in the middle, and then you have Ego on on the right, mm-hmm. who's, you know, feeding this version of the story to right. Peter. And we, as the audience, don't get the truth yeah. until the end of the, you know, the climax of the third act. Right. Or, yeah, maybe beginning of the third act, you could say. But... But Yondu is really the only one who knows all that information, and, and and he's got to carry that emotional burden throughout the film for us. At the end of the day, that's why I'm way more interested in like what he and Rocket have to do in this movie than I yes. ever am about Peter and Ego. Yes. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're almost secondary characters in their own movie. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> and with that... You mentioned earlier, I like the way you said it. It, it, we do get a lot of pair offs. So we get Yondu and Rocket, and, and Baby Groot to an extent. Yeah. And... Even with that craglens there a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, and then yeah, Quill and uh, Quill and Ego, mm-hmm. and then Nebula and Gamora maybe a little bit later, but still they're paired off. And then yep. Drax and Mantis, Great. and you're pretty fond of Mantis, right? I like Mantis a yeah, lot. Man. I think Mantis, the way they've written her and the way she plays off of Drax, yes, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It yeah, really to me is the. The strongest comic relief. There's obviously this is a comedy in its heart, right? In its <laughs> yeah, DNA. Yeah. So like every bit has funny moments sprinkled in, right? But but just Drax's character on who he, he is and Mantis as this like I have I don't know what like social inter- interaction social interaction yeah. should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think she does a fantastic job of playing off of Dave Batista and Drax. Yeah, this is one of those moments where. It really proves to me that Dave Bautista is an excellent actor. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when he was cast in the first one, I was like, I don't know. And then, like, the first <laughs> one came out, you're like, okay, he was pretty good, but he was like, he's the dumb guy. Like, yeah. I guess that's what you give a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And in my naive mind, and <laughs> what he's proven here and in another movie in 2017 is that he can actually, he actually does have range. He's, right. he's, and he's a smart enough actor that he, he knows how to play the dumb guy, but mm-hmm. he knows how to play him right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and we talked a lot in the first movie, I think, about how each part of what makes each character special or unique and the way they work together is how they individually talk. Mm -hmm. From Groot's I am Groot all the time to Rocket's heavy sarcasm to Drax's inability to comprehend an ability to comprehend sarcasm. Yep. And then we get Mantis, who, like we said, is is incredibly socially deprived and, uh-huh. and does not understand social... For a being that can deal with empaths and, and emotions and feeling, she sure doesn't know how they actually operate. Yeah. So, no, yeah, man, I agree. I think she's a fantastic addition, and, and Palm does a great job mm-hmm. uh, fitting right into the group. Yep. But, yep. Agreed. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's the weird thing because like i don't have a lot of notes on plot points in this movie mm-hmm. i actually think the second act is like way too forgettable and yeah it's it's i don't think it's great but what does work are the characters mm-hmm. it's those it's those moment to moments yeah that just kind of have to get you to the third act yeah which is super disappointing but at the same time like well, at least they got that right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I would. Ra- I think I would rather have it be that way than the other way around, where it's sure. like, oh, like there's these. I don't know. I, I'm thinking of another movie that came out in 2017, <laughs> The Justice League, which is like all about these moments, but so like the characters and their interactions are so 
heartless or I wanna, soulless. I want to clarify. He's talking about Joss Whedon's. Yeah. The Justin's, the, 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 this Justice is 2017, <laughs> not 2021. Come on. <laughs> or 2020. It was 2020, right? I don't Zach know. Snyder's Whatever it was. <laughs> In any case, you know, there's the stuff. I think, ironically... And I kind of mentioned earlier, like the the two that really don't work for me, I just don't feel like they ever have actually have chemistry is Chris Pine and, and Kurt or Chris, Chris Pratt, Chris yeah. Pratt and Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's a, maybe supposed to be intended that there's some tension there, right? But even in the tension, I just I never really feel like Pratt's giving a performance that's like this is my this is my dad. Yeah. Whether whether that's re- reserva- in reservation or mm-hmm. excitement, it's I don't ever feel like it really gets there. And at the same time, Kurt Russell, maybe, you know, Ego as a character, really does only just care about using him as a battery. Yeah. Like, maybe right. that's... I mean, he doesn't say that until he has to. Yeah. But it just doesn't ever feel like he really wants Peter to actually do the thing that he's set out to do right like co-rule with him yeah like there's i don't know they just have a weird chemistry that doesn't work for me every time they talk I, no i agree i i much more look forward to the rocket yondu uh, subplot that's happening mm-hmm. while while cool and, and ego are having their thing yep it's like bread it's like watching two pieces of bread <laughs> talk to each other like it's it's not necessarily stale but it's not necessarily like I'm not going to have bread by itself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, and it's One of them like, needs to be a nice cheese. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't if, know if, if... Quill's the bread, Ego's got to be the cheese. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because Kurt Russell is not a bad actor by any stretch. No, and frankly, neither is not. Chris Pratt. No. And so I wonder if it was just... So obviously there's enough, there's enough charisma in the room for them both to be something but maybe like the direction that they had or maybe they thought were thinking of different things in their brain you know like maybe that was what it was supposed to be is chris pratt's trying to be apprehensive and then like you said kurt russell is like acting with this idea of i'm gonna like ultimately like my plan can't fail because if he doesn't join me he's a battery yeah and so maybe that's why he's a little more reserved and not so much like my son <laughs> kind of thing and so yeah because I mean, you I, get that vibe the first time you see him you do kind of get this like yeah he's a little show-offy but he's also like my boy my boy yeah <laughs> I've well, heard of the one called Star Lord. Right. Yeah. Uh, come back to me. I wonder if it's if this is total speculation. Take this with the largest grain of salt. I wonder if you know, as soon as they get back to Ego's planet, uh-huh. guarantee hundred percent of that was like shot on blue slash green screen. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if you, ju- you just they just felt detached from yeah everything going on because they're the only ones really interacting with the environment yeah everybody i mean except uh uh, zoe zaldana has a moment where she's sitting like the desert yeah but like even then she's not really other than chopping off the heads of that wheat or whatever (laughs) that incredibly noisy (laughs) rubbing together wheat (laughs) yeah no one else really interacts with the environment yeah it it does it feels and that that's you know, I don't have necessarily a list of con bullet points, but like for as unique as Ego the planet looks, mm-hmm. it feels so CGI. Yeah, it's it very really like, doesn't feel like the... it doesn't feel like a place. And yeah. I that could be again. You could argue that that is the vibe they're going for. Mm-hmm. Just like you could argue Ego is detached and he's kind of in his own thing, and and that's why there's no chemistry. But <laughs> I just don't, like, for me, it, it just takes me one step out, and then it makes those interactions that they have that are already bread on bread. Yeah. It's a weird analogy, but I like it. <laughs> it makes them feel even worse. Yeah. Because there are moments, like, the stuff between Gamora and Nebula mm-hmm. happens in a very similar, I mean, yeah. they're underground, they end up being in a cave, that could be a practical set, I don't know, maybe some of it was, but... <laughs> Like, those two characters don't seem to have trouble acting with each other. Mm-hmm. So my my only guess is that, like, Kurt Russell, living legend, <laughs> grew up around 
million dollar sets knows how to act with his environment and gets thrown into a void. Yeah, like, right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> just do my thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, man. And I did see some stuff. The designs of his location, I wonder if I can pull it up real quick. At least what's happening on the surface is heavily inspired by a type of art oh. or a mathematical formula. That's pretty cool. Okay, so Ego's planet was designed to be highly geometric and made ex- and made extensive use of fractals, including oh. Apollonian gaskets. So I'll show you, and maybe I'll throw it up on the Twitter too, but that's kind of what the vibe they were going I for. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, but so I don't know that it necessarily landed, because then we get shots like that where it's like, well, what even is that place? <laughs> it's, a, that's a Mickey Mouse? You see the, the head <laughs> oh, I do and see, the oh, ears? He's everywhere. Uh, our our supreme overlord, Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Clubhouse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For as much as that's a little hit or miss for me, I love the planet design from space. Yes. Looks See, very cool. Seeing the face, face. on it is, yep. is so... That's one of those things where it's like, okay, they're kind of... T- you know, the movies have kind of been taking a more realistic approach to the comic book stuff. Oh, that's a face yep. on that planet right there. Very so, cool. Yes. Very, yeah. I and so I really, I really dug that. I can get on board. <laughs> So kind of backtracking a little bit, I have a couple songs. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, um, we we can't get through this episode and not talk about the music. Yeah, and you know, I remember when we did the first one, everybody praises James Gunn for his use of soundtrack in his movies. I was much more impressed in this one than I was in the first entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to give you a couple examples... Uh, in the moment where Quill Rocket's repairing the ship with his little, we're not going to explain it, hologram ray that just repairs oh, yeah. the ship. <laughs> yeah. He says some sarcastic thing to Quill, and Quill says, is your goal to get everyone to hate you? And then he turns around in slow motion, and it's, if you don't love me now, it's that chain thing. And I'm like, oh, like that's him saying, like he's saying through the music, Look, if we're not going to get over this right now, we're probably never going to get over this. Yeah. Or yeah. like, if, if we don't, if we don't figure out how to work together, we're, this isn't going to happen. And once we get to the end, I want to bring that song up again. But then, when Yondu and Rocket escape, I think, and this is just a personal preference, but I think it's kind of the Occam's Razor thing of like the the easiest solution is the best solution. Sure. When you have soundtrack in your movie the thing that people are going to latch onto is the lyrics before Mm -hmm. anything else and i think there's two really great songs in this that kind of summarize the entire movie and i think he uses at least the chain that fleetwood mac tune Mm -hmm. effectively the song that he uses in a different way of like man wouldn't it be cool if we shot a prison break sequence around this song is come is uh come a little uh, come a little bit closer that entire scene if you listeners <laughs> if you didn't notice it go back and watch it again and see how the scene changes and how perspectives are different and different things happen not necessarily listening to the lyrics and what they have to say and you could speculate that the come a little bit closer is like Yondu opening up to Raccoon or or vice versa. But I think it's more James Gunn had this image of a prison break scene in his head. And I think we got probably 95% of exactly what he wanted for that. That's such a, that's, that might yeah. be my favorite scene in the whole movie is that, yeah. is that prison break yeah. just because of how well that song works on it. Yep. But no, that's, and they do a great job setting up that, that needle drop moment mm-hmm. with the characters with, you know, we're talking about that comedy aspect yeah. being sprinkled everywhere. You can Groot really also is kind of this like little, I don't know, bit of com- comedy relief. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> the, the he's going to, uh, he brings the eye or the different right. things. Yes. And then, you know, rocket just has so much, it's a continuation from the first one <laughs> of like, he's not going to, <laughs> you know, wake up and he's not going to know where his leg is. Right. And this one is, he's not going to know where his eye is. And he just yeah. kills him, right? He just cracks so him up. Or the, the uh, <laughs> please tell me you have a fridge filled with severed toes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, that's all set up way, really well. We get the, like, the Craglin. Craglin is also way more important. Wait, is he in the first one? 
Is Craglin in the first one? B- barely. Just but a little bit, right? There, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was trying to remember. But, like, Craglin's a full-blown tertiary character in this where mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's got a, a through line. Yeah. And, you know, his relationship with Yondu is in some ways kind of a, a, a mirror or a shadow of, like, what Peter's relationship right. with Yondu is. And so uh, the ability just to, you know, give your younger brother... Sean Gunn plays him. Uh, <laughs> right, yes. A, a, a role that has, it's really, really well done. And Sean Gunn also uh, does all the mocap for Rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so how they do that in the same scene, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe something different for that. I, I, I'm, I'm unsure. In, well, I, in I any think, case... I think Bradley Cooper will step in and do some mocap. Yeah, um, but I know, at least in the first one, Sean Gunn did it primarily. Yeah, yeah. But. but you know, out of the entire second act, that is the highlight. Yeah, for sure, and I would I would maybe agree that it's maybe the best scene in the movie. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't have a lot of positive things to say about the third act. Hot take. Should we get into the third act? I think we should, man. Yeah, I think we should. Do you want to take the lead on this? I, I only really have two notes about. What's the third your first act. note? Yeah. Uh, so ego being a planet, I think he he can do so like. Not having read a comic book uh, and not knowing anything about ego, mm-hmm. but understanding they they basically call him a god, and I like yeah. his little line of there of of a uh, god, little little genie, yeah. <laughs> um, I so they're basically like, okay, your limitations are endless. You can do almost any. At least that's what they kind of set it up to be. Mm-hmm. So even going in, not knowing anything, but just being a human being and hearing words like celestial and God and other, you know, omnipotent, powerful words, to have him just be a dude with a bunch of tentacles, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, it's a little under, it's a little underwhelming. And it makes the finale definitely, I think, seem strange that, and they, I think they kind of, they at least give some kind of explanation in terms of uh, Mantis says when he projects his human form, that's a part of his true self is what mm-hmm. she says. Kind of insinuating that the planet necessarily isn't him, but like it's more of a shell and his brain is his true self, but then he can project his human body and that's also his true self. Yeah. So they kind of do some explaining. I don't think it's enough to make the third act feel legitimate in its scope. Agreed. The planet itself, the inside of the planet, where they the entire fight takes place, mm-hmm. and not just the fight between Quill and, and Ego, but you know they they have the sovereign ships yes. come down, and then there's the whole like we gotta. But around kind of the the core, of the brain, mm-hmm. it never feels like an extension of Ego. I like it should right. You, there is an opportunity there to use that set piece in a really cool way. And I can't tell you exactly what it is because I'm not getting paid a million dollars and given three months to do it. But if I was, I think I think you could. Yeah. I think you could do something more unique than I'm going to turn into a giant rock man and punch the <laughs> giant Pac-Man rock thing. Super dumb. Hate it. <laughs> Hate it. Ugh. Yeah, I even want to vomit. Even on this rewatch, I you see you see uh, ego gathering his rocks and he's turning into a rock version of himself. And I was like, oh, my brain said, oh, they're probably gonna like punch each other as like rock men, and then we'll see him fall. And then it's waka waka waka, <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Look, that okay. is the kind of thing that I. <sighs> can totally see james gunn writing and be like he's probably laughing his ass off at this yeah, right. and like power to him i'm glad it works for you james it doesn't work for me i don't hold it against you it just doesn't work for me yes i and that's actually i think the weakest part of this movie as a whole yeah. and it happens quite a bit in the first act and then because the second act is so like dialogue heavy and like growth into the third or like mm-hmm. getting people to where they need to be yeah and because they kind of let james gunn just like okay do your thing yeah i think he was like oh joke 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 <laughs> kind of thing look which there are there is such a good thing as uh, or there is such a thing as good studio notes yes right yeah. 
and and not that this movie didn't have studio 100% has studio notes 100% it doesn't matter how much James Gunn says it's my movie there were still studio notes right yeah yeah um whether they were taken or not i don't know and yeah. and my guess is it was kind of like they let him run with it they give some notes but like at the end of the day he's not he doesn't feel like he ha- had to compromise on his vision right and that's glorious i envy that not that not that i have like experience in hollywood but like <laughs> i that's a place you want to be yeah as a director for sure but there's all other directors <clears throat> um <laughs> who time i think trevor would disagree with me on this who i knew I, that's where you were going as soon as you I think, brought it up <laughs> i think could maybe could maybe stand to take a few more notes uh, um okay okay constructive criticism not <laughs> not hate not no bashing here but yeah no another another moment that really didn't work for me it was in the first act it's the whole drax getting hit by a thousand trees a thousand, yeah we didn't mention it earlier i but like it's just that it's that level of like it it just they took the joke too, too far. far yeah and it kind of just you kind of just have to shrug your shoulders and yeah. be like it is what it is, it is, what it is. Yeah. like the ship gets destroyed but drax is fine yeah yeah <laughs> And yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, but yeah, at, at the end of the day, like the third act, I don't think the setting is used effectively. I think the conflict between Quill and Ego is, it just doesn't feel good because they, they don't have great chemistry. Right. Um, but then, Yon, you know, Yondu showing up does provide a little bit of an emotional closure. Mm-hmm rocket stuff with Groot, the whole the bomb, like this yep. button. Hilarious. Love it. Yeah. It's great. Yes. And Drax and Mantis, their kind of like conclusion of their little story story was like, yeah. you're beautiful on the inside. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> if you remember, I wholeheartedly told you you look like butt earlier. Yeah. So. <laughs> and this, you know, this movie does still have its, I think I criticized the first one on the amount of like toilet humor it yeah. had. And this one still has it. Man, I tell you what, though. Some of them are great. Most of them are not. <laughs> that penis joke is so good. <sighs> See, <And> I prefer- <laughs> it's weird. I think the like the turd joke is, is better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but like... I, I mean- the the penis one works because it's so out of place in like a Marvel it's, it's, movie. I it, think it's really just the whole setup is good, and I think it's okay. But it's really just when when ego turns around and goes, "Yep, Drax, I got a penis," <laughs> and it's not how bad. And, and Dra- Drax goes, "Oh, <laughs> Dave, it's, it's so it's." Safe in the movie. He, re- in for the real, joke. though. No, yep. no. Yeah, he, he's got good reaction. That probably is why that joke works. Because yeah. it, it's not the, like, it's not Peter's reaction. Like, ew, Drax, why would you ask that? Right. No, it's it's the fact, A, that Drax would ask it, how he asks it, and then how he reacts to yes. the answer. Yeah, yeah. And that's the... And going back, that goes back to the, the conversation we had earlier about Dave, Dave Bautista. Yeah. is just, he's a good actor, yep. man. Yep, yes he is. So go back kind of getting back to the finale. My other note on this is I think Yondu's sacrifice is a little upsetting because we as the audience from the first movie know that Quill can survive for a period of time in space. But Yondu doesn't know that. Sure. And so that's a little, you know, I but I remember I don't believe this movie is particularly well received. I think I think people think it's okay. Yeah. But I don't think that it's like, like I think a lot of people like the first one better, for sure. Yeah, and but and I think it's because of stuff like that. I think it's like we talked about egos, limitations, maybe not putting themselves in Yondu's shoes and understanding, you know, and, and the movie's showing us, like I said, that Quill can survive for a period of time in space. So Yondu technically could have survived had he just taken both. And then that go then that gets proven again. Not to, I've been trying not to jump ahead of the third one, but it gets proven again. Quill is in space for a period of time in the third one and is fine, quote unquote. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, this one has a a sixty seven on Metacritic. Um, well, and to give you the plebeian scores, Letterboxd has the first one at a three point eight average, and then the second one at a three point five. Why can I not find it here? Seventy six, yeah. So it's about a it's about a nine point difference, which is not huge. No. On Metacritic, they're both 
positively received. Good. But yeah, definitely, I think in general, people were like, I don't know if this one hits as well. Yeah. And my guess is that kind of like, I mean, we talked about like with Iron Man, like there's there's a little bit of uniqueness to the first one. Mm-hmm. The, this, the first one was very different yeah. for, a, for a Marvel movie. Volume two, it really, it is the same playbook, but they, I think, James Gunn does some different things with yeah. it. I think I would agree that the I think the score is better overall, mm-hmm. um, and how they incorporate the that music. Yeah. But I yeah I would definitely put this under the the first one. Okay. So uh, uh, final thoughts on I guess before we really <laughs> talk about ratings and stuff. Sure, sure. Yondu's death uh, it never bothered me that much. I understood. I feel like I need to clarify this because Trevor is an intelligent person who gets that this is like the emotional arc. So I'm not saying this as if you didn't get it. Like, (laughs) I think I just, I was on, like, I was on board with it because I knew this was the emotional arc that needed to happen. I was like, oh, okay. Like, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the semantics, the technical little nitpicks that like, why would, I I didn't have to justify that decision to myself. Um, and so I and so I I enjoyed that a lot. As heartbreaking as it was, I yeah. enjoyed it. Well, no, and no, I'm not saying that I didn't like it. I I'm just saying that uh, that was just what was going through my head. Sure, it's a little like wait a second, the rules were reversed, <laughs> you know. And but no, no, I yeah. There is also the but also how dare no the, the caveat of like when ego dies. Mm-hmm. Quill also loses his oh yeah his celestial power right, right. so. I think one could argue then, like, even if right, and Yondu I thought about that too. Doesn't know yeah, that, yeah. like, he probably still has to do it. But you're right, Gun does play pretty fast and loose with like who can survive <laughs> in space and how long can they survive in space, right? Right. right. But that emotional closure needed to happen because because Quill really needed to figure out who was his daddy. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't your father, but I'm, I'm your daddy. daddy. <laughs> So and then finally, like the it's it's just kind of a little montage. As soon as the planet kind of collapses, and you mm-hmm. we we roll right into the the, the ceremony, yeah. the funeral. More wonderful music choices are made, and <laughs> tears were shed as all of the Ravenger crews come yeah. back. It really does a good job of tying up that storyline that was Yondu and Rockets yeah. because you know. Yondu halfway through calls out Rocket. Yeah. Right. As like I, I see your shit. Yeah. <laughs> I get it because you're me, boy. Right. <laughs> and and you know ties it in a nice little bow with Quill there. And it, and while I think Quill stuff is incredibly weak in this film, mm-hmm. he is neat. Like that is needed to make Yondu's kind of arc right. and story work. Which I think goes to show how character driven this trilogy really is yeah it, you you can't i'm gonna quote my boy zach oh. snyder's justice league oh. there are there are seven not six <laughs> there is no us without him mm. i had to get back at you yeah for all you, your you, zach you got snyder me good comments. you got me good man oh, <laughs> oh it um, hurts so i have i have one final thing about this yeah. um i i really dig there's two songs in here that get played more than once it's brandy you're a fine girl and it's the chain mm-hmm. and I kind of go back to the conversation we had about lyrics earlier. It, it's kind of even spelled out to the audience for us. He goes talking about the lyrics to Brandy, your fine girl. He says, he says, Quill, where the sailor. Yeah. Brandy was your mother to me, but like I already like I have this meaning. The meaning is not to find a, a woman to marry or whatever, to be with forever. It's to expand my empire, basically. Yeah. Um, or expand my, my reach of influence. Mm-hmm. Versus the chain, which the second time it comes up, it's it's so cool how diverse it is. The first time it happens, I said earlier with Rocket, is like, you're in danger here. If you guys don't fix whatever crap you're going through, you're not going to like each other forever. Yeah. But the second time it comes up, it's the same lyric that if you don't love me now, you'll never love me again. That's like cementing Quill's decision to be like, no, forget you. Yeah. You killed my mother yep. and I'm never going to love you. I'm never going to feel forgive you for that. So this whole, I really dig that it's like those two songs really kind of make the entire movie kind of a, of this, of this dual identity kind of thing that Quill kind of is struggling with. But anyway, I like it. Thank you. Great, great point to, to <laughs> send us out on. So, 
As we look at 2017 Mm -hmm. and the other movies that were released that year. Do you want to do a box office? We can talk some box office. We can talk some box office and then we'll talk some favorites. I'm ready. Look, this was a very well-received Marvel movie. Yeah. It ended up, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 ended up in 7th on the worldwide charts. And 4th domestically. It made... $869 $869 million. <laughs> and 389 million. Almost 390 million domestic. Yeah, so that's like that's a that's a pretty good domestic run. Now I have two questions for you. Yeah. Where is Spider-Man Homecoming on the global? Ah, Spider-Man Homecoming is just above it at number six. It is just below it at number five. What about Wonder Woman? Oh, uh, Wonder Woman is down at number 10 okay. worldwide. Wonder Woman is just above Guardians at number three. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, man. So, other movies... Oh, I guess Thor Ragnarok also Thor, came out this year. Yeah, Thor is at eight worldwide. So, like, six, seven, and eight are the Marvel movies for 2017. Cool. And that's Spider-Man, Guardians 2, Thor. Thor. Yep. And then they're four, five, and eight... Or, four, five, and seven for domestic Guardians, Spider-Man, Thor. Logan... Mm-hmm. is number nine domestically. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. It came in 15th uh, worldwide. Gotcha. It's It definitely did not have as strong of an international oh my presence. Goodness. There was a ton of... That's... At least... Yeah, that's one, two, three, four, five... Superhero movies? Superhero movies. Yeah, there's a ton. Yeah. Because we also had Justice League. Mm-hmm. The, the Joss Whedon, Warner Brothers cut. Came Ooh. in 14th worldwide. Mm-hmm. What other one... The Mummy. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's technically a... Eh, it's a... It's a... What do you call it? It's a franchise. Franchise. Or, yeah. The Lego Batman movie. That's... Does that qualify as a comic? <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> I think it's got to, right? Come Man, on. People, people count that as a serious... Ba- like a serious Batman iteration. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess, I mean, that's what uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is doing with their that's Lego true. Spider-Man. That's true. So. so, yeah, lots of superhero movies. Some other movies... Fate of the Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, That's seven, right? Or is that eight? For what? Fate of the Furious. I think it's eight. No, what was your number know. one on the world stage? The number one movie. Wait, wait, wait. Number oh. two. We haven't talked. Fate of the Furious is number three worldwide. Okay. Number two, Beauty and the Beast. Same domestic. And then number one, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Same on domestic. Which, you know, we had $4 billion international movies this year. Jeez. Number four, which we haven't mentioned... Despicable Me 3. Okay. An animated movie. There's almost always these days an animated movie that just kind of breaks that billion dollar mark. Yeah, yeah. And then number five, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Okay. A comedy, an action adventure comedy. So like not a huge surprise. And that's 18 domestic. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it did. I remember it did really well internationally. Yeah. So other other couple, just to mention mm-hmm. some favorites of mine. Yeah, go for it. War for the Planet of the Apes came out this year. Kong Skull Island. Uh, we had The Greatest Showman, which... This is The Greatest Show! I don't know if I love the movie, but I love the music. <laughs> so, yeah. um, It. Yes, chapter... Is that the first just one? Just the first one. Okay. Yep, the first one. Get Out. Good. Uh, Jordan Peele's debut, his his incredible incredible debut, debut. Yeah. and then uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, okay. Give me a sci fi Denny Villeneuve movie any day, <laughs> any day of the week. It's gonna be on my list. Sorry, I got a little loud there. <clears throat> so are those are those movies that you would have put above? Yeah, so where this falls for me, uh, most definitely. I don't think this, in this year, probably cracks top 10 for me. It, it does crack top 10? or I don't think it does. Oh, no, it, wow. does. it okay. does not. 2017, a pretty strong year for movies. I would put, you know, Star Wars, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have at the time, but I would now. Ragnarok. Okay, sure. i put it above it. Wonder Woman, It, Logan... Kong, Apes, twenty forty nine. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably it probably falls real close there on like the top ten, sure. like maybe right at the edge. Split, oh, um, yeah. M Night Shyamalan film that like came out of nowhere it was like, oh, we're actually gonna be awesome again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, by the way, <laughs> uh, the Lego Batman movie is phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it it, it probably falls just under the top ten. Okay. 
I think this actually baby driver. Oh my god, <laughs> Geostorm. No, okay, that's an awful. That's a legitimately awful movie. I'm sorry, I made a joke. No, you're good. I think this breaks top ten for me. Paddington two. <laughs> you're gonna put it above Paddington two, Trevor. <laughs> Like you mentioned, I, like I'm a big fan of Baby Driver. John Wick Two also came out this yep. year. Yep. I be I don't know how you feel about Shape of Water, but I it's good. Really like it. It's yeah. good. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Darkest Hour. Yeah, man. No, I think this probably this was. I think for me personally, I think this was a pretty good year for comic book movies, and I think we had some really great non comic book movies, but I think it wasn't enough. That I can keep them out of my top ten. Coco? Come on, it's Coco. You're going to put this above Coco? Uh, <laughs> full disclosure, I, I've seen parts of Coco. I've not watched it all the way Okay, through. okay, but like, this, surely, this, surely no, Transformers no. The Last Night. Like, also haven't seen that. Mark Wahlberg, like Transformers with swords. <laughs> I, looking at this, I don't know that I've watched all that much in 2017. What were you doing? I don't know. Watching Itania, I guess. I did like Itania, though. That was good. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, man. So good. So yeah, so definitely falls in your top ten, not quite on my list. I think so. Where does this stack up for you in the MCU, though? We're at movie number 15 (laughs) at this point. This is, like, just below middle. So I have this at number nine. Okay. So my, my number seven is Ant-Man, then it's Captain America, First Avenger, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Civil War, and then Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Okay. Yeah, this falls a little lower for me at 11. I've got Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy at number nine, mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 at 10, Volume 2 at 11, Iron Man 2 at 12, and Thor, the first Thor, at 13. Brett, I have a small surprise for you. <gasps> you have a surprise? I do. We were going to have him on for Civil War, but due to this, that, and the other, he was unable to make it. Uh, we are going to have Zach Milne, who is a YouTube film critic, on for our next movie, which is Spider-Man Homecoming. What? Yes. And so he, go check him out. He's Zach Milne Talks Movies on YouTube. But yeah, we're looking forward to having him. Um, he'll be our second guest and... Yeah, man. So I'm excited for it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was bummed when it didn't work out last time, mm-hmm. um, and super glad that we were able to get him back on for what is going to be a very interesting discussion. I think so too. Um, uh, this will kind of be the first time that a non MCU, a non Marvel Disney Marvel, pro- you know, this is a Sony property that is right. like tied into right the MC. How is that going to work? Which is, per- I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, is produced by Sony and distributed. Yep. yep. But Marvel or the MC or the Marvel Studios has a hand in it. Yeah. So we'll we'll probably talk more about that. Not probably. We will talk more about that. Definitely when we get there. have some of those deets. Yes, absolutely. So don't miss out that. We hope everyone's had a great holiday. Because for us, Fourth of July was recent. Yeah, to say by the time this comes out, though, like is this it is going to be like the be... beginning of August, I think. So <laughs> as you're getting ready to go back to school, back to school, uh, yeah, or send your kids back to school if you're old enough. That's right. Um, no, no. Whenever you're listening to this, we're hoping you're having a great day and Absolutely. you have a greater day tomorrow. Exactly. So in case we missed it, Happy Thanksgiving, <laughs> Happy Halloween, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, or whatever winter holiday you celebrate. And with all of that, we'll see you next time for Spider-whatever. Spider-homecoming. We'll see you next time for Spider-Man Homecoming. Thank you. (laughs) What do you think of capybaras? You like capybaras? I think they're cute. Yeah. Kind of, they're interesting. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to get one? I wish. No. <laughs> uh, I just, they keep popping up as a subject today, like talking with different really? people. Really? Yeah. Like my mom texted me today asking about them, and then Madison texted me a separate thing talking about them, and yeah. I don't know. I like them, though. I like how apathetic they are toward everything. Yeah. They're very nonchalant. And I like that. I, I like a I like a nonchalant <laughs> animal. Heck yeah. Excuse me. You're good. All right, ma'am. Are you ready to do this? Uh, no, but we'll do it anyways. <laughs> Why?
I can give you time if you need some time. No, I'm fine. Plot twist. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get there. If you ever need production notes, you can just scroll that IMDb <laughs> trivia, and there's usually something on there. Love that. I'm a, I usually go to Wikipedia, actually. Yeah, Wiki, yeah, Wikipedia is a pretty good... Especially recently. I remember being in high school, and like Wikipedia was a big no-no. Yep. But now, like when I got to college, they were like, no, people like cite their sources. Like mm -hmm. So as long as you find the source that they cited, then yep. Yep. you're good to go. Yeah, why don't you do world events, and then I'll, I'll do production stuff, and... I'll try to learn how to read dates better. <laughs> Snipe... St Snipeire? Because they kind of let... let ugh. I trust it a little more than Rotten Tomatoes. Sure. Although they're both valid for different reasons. <laughs> Seven is... It's the one fast. with... I don't remember. It's any. the one with they, the rock. They all blend together for me. <laughs> Same. I'm not a huge fan, so I can't tell you exactly when. I want to say. Well, it's... I love them, and I still. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it's a seven. I want to say it's seven. Okay. Ah, Thor the first Thor. <laughs> Thor the first one. Thor. Excuse me with my Thor. Thor. Sure, that will be incredibly um, annoying to our listeners. And nah. And I apologize for nothing. <laughs> ah, you thought I was gonna say sorry. <laughs> Got him. Cool, man. Well, we have a, we have a, we were going to have. Let me start that over. And if I said that wrong, I'm gonna edit it out and put in the right <laughs> thing. So.